What is KFC's secret blend of 11 herbs and spices? If I really tried, could I Kamehameha? Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This Paranormal Life! Hello, and welcome back to This Paranormal Life. This is a weekly comedy podcast in which every Tuesday... Myself, Kit Grimovena, and Roy Powers, who's sitting across from me, hi, investigate a different paranormal tale and get to the bottom of whether it's truly paranormal or not. What's up? Uh, we have decades, yo, of experience. <laughs> Are you ad libbing my introduction? I just you, you kind of introduced me, but you didn't do it properly, so I'm just trying to get a word in. Sure, sideways. Uh, yo, gentlemen, you have the floor. No, that was it. I just wanted to say hi. Hey, everyone. I feel like you did that at the top. Anyway, <laughs> as paranormal investigators, we have uh, a lot of experience in investigating the paranormal, uh, and we use that right here um, to investigate a case live for you. How are you doing today, Roy? Uh, stressed. I'm really? a little stressed. I'm a little worried. I don't want to. There's a bit of a story behind that, which I don't know if I've told you yet. Okay. So my apartment, I don't know. Maybe this is a little dramatic, so I won't say is overrun. But I will say uh, taken over by by moths. Oh. Moths have taken over my apartment. And I don't know where they've come from. (laughs) Taken over (laughs) is just as bad as overrun, I think. It's a little different. It's not quite as malicious. They have hijacked my apartment. All terrible. I don't know if I've created some perfect ecosystem where moths are thriving. And it's like a beacon to them in the night to come in my window. But uh, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. You and do collect old people's jumpers. Yeah, as a hobby, but I don't want the moth part of it to be right. part of my the life. The problem is there's a lot of moths that go with those clothes. And, uh, you know, at the start, it was quite uh, a gentle process, guiding them out the window, you know, using the cup and the sheet to kind of trap them and release them into the wild. Now the slipper's coming out. <laughs> now you've, you've f***ed around and you find out what happens. Oh my god. My Nike slides are being thrown around this apartment like a heat-seeking missile. This audio recording is going to be admissible as evidence in moth court when you're <laughs> tried for your crimes. Against Judge Mothman. <laughs> um, but the, the funny twist is, uh, I thought it was maybe a problem that I was just having. Maybe okay. I left my, my balcony door open one night. But recently, someone has been moving out of my apartment. And like a lot of apartment buildings, usually what you do when you move out is... If there are things that you have that you don't want anymore, mm-hmm. you can leave them at a, kind of a collection area and it's like an up for grabs thing. Sure. And they had been doing that recently, leaving some stuff in the in the foyer uh, for people to take. And I was coming home a few nights ago and one of the things that they left was a whole box full of moth traps. Wow. So this is- A whole is, box of moth this traps. This is endemic. So did you take them? Yeah, I took every single one of them and I set them up all of my apartment and they didn't catch a single moth. I'm starting to think that's the reason that they gave they them gave away. They gave away, of course. Not because they caught every moth and thus no more traps were needed because they didn't do a goddamn thing. Now I'm just using the traps to beat the moths to death. <laughs> I've got moth blood on my hands. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. I think I checked back today and uh, I've caught one moth. But they, I think they have... They're, they're getting to, intelligent, I think. Well, I don't know what the technology is behind it. I think the traps are some, supposed to emit some sort of sexy beam that that allures the moths There's no into way the that's trap. what the technology is. I don't know. What, I don't want... I'm a not, sexy I'm not, beam? I'm not a scientist. A horny scent that the moths can pick up on and they're drawn to it, but... I think they like lights. So they, Apparently think, these bastards are celibate because none of these f***ers <laughs> are going into my trap. These virgin-ass moths. <laughs> they, they don't even want to f***. They're so lame. Uh, well, yeah. I'm glad you only have moths because we are in the middle um, of what uh, Londoners will know as spider season. I'm just saying, the insects are turning against me. That's paranormal. That's the episode. This is not the episode, and we have to uh, I'm hijacking. get on to the topic of the day. I'm hijacking your episode, no, bud. No way. You lost the crowd. They want to hear about my moths. Today, we're traveling back to ancient Japan, in fact, in a time of great civil unrest. The year was 1580, and three different Buddhist sects were at war. This sounds like an oxymoron right off the top. I didn't realize uh, Buddhists got into wars. Yeah, I think that means you're not a Buddhist anymore, right? (laughs) Isn't that kind of against some of their main beliefs? 
what we have heard at the top of the episode, how even a pacifist like Rory can be radicalized into murdering moths left, right, and center. So we don't know what happened to these Buddhists to make them go loco like this. Of course. A couple of moths come in my, my living room window. Namaste, brother. I will gently guide you out towards the light of the moon. A, a single, uh, one more moth comes in, three total. That's enough! <laughs> Nike slide in one hand, spray bottle in the other. Hairspray in the other, the only spray you can find. <laughs> These moths have never looked better. Quaffs perfectly styled. The battle between the sects had been raging for 10 long years. And most of the action took place around the Ishiyama Temple in Osaka. Wow. One faction, the Cookie Army. Excuse me? Devised a clever scheme to start turning the tide in their favor. Uh, I am now, of course, picturing some kind of Adventure Time Candy Kingdom army of cookies. What is the... Cookie is that a soldiers. translation thing? Or why were they called the Cookie Army? <laughs> no, it's not, it's not literally the Cookie Army. It's, uh, it's, oh, right. it's romanized into K-U-K-I. Got it. Got it. <laughs> but the brave Milkians would not give up. <laughs> we're losing! Perhaps now it's time to take extreme measures. You don't mean... Yes, we must end this. It's time to fight fire with fire. They decided to burn the temple and many others in the region to the ground. Wow. Hundreds, if not thousands, of lives were lost. Warriors, innocent civilians, and even those of the temple priests. I think they've misunderstood what fighting fire with fire means. It doesn't mean burn everything to the ground, including your own soldiers. It must be a very tricky position to be in when you're uh, at a stalemate of battle 10 years into a battle. Yeah. Uh, you really start kind of th thinking of uh, 3D chess moves. You're really dug in at that point. Yeah. No one wants to just surrender because it's been going for so long. So, yeah, at that point, it's probably not even a war. You're just kind of throwing rocks at each other because you're yeah. exhausted. The survivors called a ceasefire and slowly began to rebuild their places of peace and worship. So I guess something was achieved. The war was now over. And as time marched on, the conflict was all but forgotten. But almost 100 years after the start of the war, in 1868, locals began to notice something strange. Flickering lights suddenly appeared in the hills where the Ishiyama Temple once stood. So bright they could be seen from miles around. Hmm. One night, a local cried, Look! Atop the mountain! A fire is burning! People of the town hurried up to quench what they were certain were roaring flames. But when they arrived on the hilltop, there was nothing to be seen. No hint of a raging inferno or even a single crumb of ash. Ooh, phantom fire. I don't think we've come across this before. No, this is very unique. Confused but relieved there was no fire to extinguish, the villagers headed home to get some rest. But the very next night, the same thing happened. And the evening after that. It became so frequent that people were beginning to tear their hair out, frustrated at the mystery of the lights. But before long, the heavens opened and the region was pelted with a torrent of rain. That'll do it. The residents of 1868 Osaka were thrilled. At least tonight, there will not be any sign of fire in the mountains. But they were dead wrong. Once again, the grass in the hills seemed to be going up in smoke despite the downpour. Wow. They decided something must be done. They had to investigate. What do you do? How do you investigate fire? I've only investigated fire with marshmallows. <laughs> I've only... That's the lengths of my research. I think, weirdly, people back in the day were better equipped to, to investigate the paranormal this way because that was more the way they thought. These days, you would, like, I don't know, call the forest services. <laughs> they would send some researchers up there. Right, right. These people are taking it into their own hands. That's right. A few men trekked up the mountain with shovels to see if there was something underground causing the bizarre disruption. You know, that's actually pretty smart. I wouldn't have thought of that. But, you know, we've had it before where it's either a coal mine or some sort of natural gas leak that could be causing a flame to burn even when it's raining outside. So true. Yeah. Fair play. That's pretty smart of them. I think we've briefly talked about in Turkmenistan, there's uh, a fire. There's just a fire pit that's been burning for like a hundred years. Yeah, yeah. For the same kind of reason. Mm -hmm. 
before long, they find something pretty disturbing. What's all this armor doing here? And is that a sword? My god, look at all these bones! What in the hell happened here? The guys realized they must be standing on a burial ground left over from a horrific battle, and that the lights they were seeing were actually the spirits of the dead. A kind of atmospheric ghost that exists in Japanese legend known as Onibi. They did what they thought was the right thing and unearthed every remnant of bloodshed from the mountaintop. That's not the right thing. That's not the right thing at all. (laughs) Digging up the dead? (laughs) What do you mean, Rory? (laughs) Just to make sure this would never happen again, they disturbed every grave possible. No! The fire is going to be bigger now! (laughs) To put out the fire, they pissed on the bones of the dead (laughs) and fallen. Uh, This is why I'm starting to think that whatever they would have dug up, they would have said was the reason behind the fire. (laughs) They could have found like fossilized dog shit and be like, this is it. Well, the spirit of this beast roars for a thousand years. I think there's quite a leap between dog shit and uh, an ancient army (laughs) that had died on that hill. Of course. Literally died on that hill. To be fair, uh, this is probably a kind of cultural um, breakdown point for us where, you know, obviously in this part of the world, we largely either cremate or bury our dead. Um, and I don't know, we, we might think you want to leave those remnants in the ground and not disturb the remnants, but I, I really don't know how they do things in Japan. I know you today can't bury people because they literally don't have the space. Right. Um Back then, I I don't know what it was. So I I don't know if they have the same concept of like, maybe they would see that as extremely respectful to kind of show respect to those fallen people. I don't know. Give it right. Make some sort of ceremony or fanfare around their deaths rather than just leaving them there. Yeah, because presumably that's just where they were struck with a sword and and just remained forever. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And you mentioned some sort of specific creature as well. Some sort of specific spirit. That's right. These men already knew about what I've described as a kind of atmospheric ghost in Japanese legend called Onibi. Rory, have you ever heard of Onibi? Never, never before in my life, Um, which is quite rare and interesting because, you know, for the most part, it sounds like similar to just a spirit or a ghost, but for them to confuse it with fire raging on a mountaintop, it's got to have a pretty unique appearance. You're damn right. I hadn't really come across it. I've seen Onibi described as resentful people who have become fire. Whoa! And in ancient Chinese writings, they say, from the blood of humans and animals, Onibi fire comes. So these these ghosts don't just resemble fire. When they die, they become a Zippo lighter. <laughs> they are flames. They are fire emoji. <laughs> this is wild. This is really cool. I think this is pretty neat. This is an an illustration of Onibi from a Japanese text that's like a couple hundred years old. Um, I don't know what this originally was, like a woodblock print or something, or a painting, but it is an illustration of, I don't really know what I'm looking at here, a mountaintop, some leaves, but then balls of fire that are kind of on the land, but also in the sky. Yes, kind of floating. Yeah, maybe that light is... Implying they're ascending to heaven? Uh, it, it definitely could be. I mean, I don't think there's Hard any wrong tell. answers here. I interpreted that as rain, to be honest. Oh, like even in the rain. Even in the rain, the fire there. keeps going. It takes different forms. And as you can see, there's like kind of flames in the background. It seems to be a large flame floating and then lots of tiny ones in the background. Yeah. So here's another one. And here you can see it takes a pretty different form, but in the same kind of rough vein. Oh yeah, a little more detail in this image. We see kind of like a landscape with some trees and birds, a river, and then above it is, I'm not gonna dance around it, a flaming skull firing itself through the skies like a meteorite. Yeah, a bit more of an obvious ghost <laughs> yeah. here. It kind of looks like an enemy from Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. You know those skulls that float around with fire on them? Oh yeah. That's relevant. Yeah. So other translations of the name Onibi are Will-O-Wisp and Jack-O-Lantern. Ah. Onibi were written about by name as early as the Edo period, 1603 to 1867. According to their original description, they're orbs of blue light. 
Ooh. Now this is interesting because we did cover jack-o'-lanterns in last week's episode, another very important pivotal episode that uh, you know with, that carries the same gravitas as this one does. Sure, I mean, two important jack-o'-lanterns with... came up a disappointing amount, of course, for how little they had to do with the case. Well, it was pretty pivotal to the descriptions of the craft. I think one seeing... witness said briefly that it looked like a jack-o'-lantern floating in the sky, and you you decided <laughs> that it was literally a pumpkin. I just, I mean, this is the big question that we ha- have to ask ourselves today. These Onibi, are they possibly pumpkins? No, we have are to. I'm gonna, I need pumpkins? to nix this. I need to put a pin in this <laughs> right now. We're not bringing back just the pumpkin chat. About. You know, as you said, when the wars are raging for that long, guess our plan 3D chess. <laughs> are these f- pumpkins? No, they're not. They're not. I'm not going to hear it. You're telling me those warriors died 100 years ago on October 31st. <laughs> they did not as, die on October 31st. Dressed as a to do sexy nurse. No, they And you did don't not. think that a pumpkin's involved? They were monks. <laughs> they were monks. They were not sexy nurses. Sexy monks? It's got to be a Halloween costume. I'm like trying my best to avoid all the pumpkin <laughs> research. Like I can't give him this. I'm not giving him this. The men claimed they saw a <clears throat> gourd floating above a gourd or a or a pumpkin. Fine, it was a pumpkin. <laughs> the whole thing is pumpkins from beginning to end, which is fucked because they don't even have pumpkins in Japan. Not in the Edo period. It's the most paranormal bit about it. <laughs> These onibi can be blue, blue, white, red, or yellow. Orange. They range in size from... <laughs> With a f-ing weird crooked little smile. <laughs> they range in size from a couple centimeters to several times the size of a human. Whoa! And according to sources, they float in the air one to two meters off the ground. Does their size have to... Is, is their size relative to anything? You know, if you were a very evil person, maybe you're a huge raging fire... You know, because you have that that uh, unfulfilled anger burning inside of your spirit. It could be. It could also be uh, the type of being it came from. We know it comes from humans and animals. Maybe a little flame is a mouse. Right, and, a little lizard. An angry mouse. Yeah. And then a massive flame would be an angry elephant. Interesting idea. Sometimes the Onibi zoom around in the sky solo dolo, but they can gather together in groups of around 30. Weirdly, a lot of the descriptions around them kind of describe like they can interact with each other. It's funny you mention it because what immediately came to mind for me with this blue orb is Navi from Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Right. God, we're nerds. A kind of mini blue spirit. And as I say, I wasn't able to find too much evidence, but there has to be enormous Legend of Zelda inspiration from Onibi because you have flaming skulls. Yeah. You have hose which appear as flames until you get close to them and then they turn into ghosts and you capture their fire in a bottle yeah yeah that's really cool be interesting to to look that up and see if there is a connection <laughs> i just play ocarina of time again <laughs> yeah doing some research this afternoon for the Pretty podcast similar. interestingly onubi are most frequently cited in bad weather like in our story from the beginning even then the rain doesn't extinguish their ghostly flames there are also mixed reports on uh, whether they're hot or not. Some say they burn completely cold. Uh, others say that they can uh, that they can choose to burn stuff with immense heat. Wow. Crucially, there are tons of accounts of people sighting Onibi, particularly back in the day. For example, the Okunoen Temple in Wakayama is also home to Japan's largest cemetery. It's an active place of worship, and monks and residents have rituals that they complete. They fast for seven days abstain from making any kind of fire and walk between the trees and the grounds from midnight to 1am. The monks claim that when they're performing these rituals, sometimes they are stopped in their tracks by ghostly animals and on occasion they're attacked by floating balls of fire. Oh my god. Now just to clarify, these are the monks who haven't eaten in seven days? Sure. Yeah. And and I've stayed up until 1am walking in the forest? Very rarely do the balls show up on day one, but towards the end of the week, they actually get pretty ferocious. They're attacked by floating cheeseburgers. (laughs) Another tale is about the river Chikumagawa in Shinano. A long time ago, two young boys fell in the river and were swept away by the current in a rainstorm. 
Every night ever since, two onibi were seen hovering above the stream. Wow, that's cool. So you can, it, it almost marks a grave. Yeah. You know, people who have died out in the world, their flame burns at the spot in which they passed away. Which is kind of nuts when you think about the significance even in this part of the world of like candles that we burn candles at funerals and yeah there's so much uh like we we wouldn't think of having anything close to that in terms of but like yeah we absolutely represent spirits as flames yeah i wonder where that imagery came from is that biblical or probably right you know light the fire in my soul all that jazz at least in this part of the world yeah yeah i know it's kind of funny isn't it when you hear about these these stories and these myths from other cultures and you're like a flaming skull floating above the spot where someone passed away. It's like, I don't know. It sounds kind of crazy. And they're like, don't you guys all get together and light candles when someone passes away? And it's like, well, the candles represent spirits it's beautiful. and love. <laughs> like, we do the same nutty shit over here. So yeah, I love it. <laughs> I know. Like, no, y'all are the weird ones. Uh, don't you guys go to church and literally eat the flesh of your God? Well, that's enough. We drink his blood too. <laughs> Once I get enough strength from the Lord, I'm going <laughs> to kick your ass. I saw someone, uh, which was, uh, I think someone maybe posted it on the This Paranormal Life Facebook group. Um, somebody had worked out how much communion you would have to take before you uh, would have eaten the entire body of Christ. Okay. So they were working out, you know, let's assume he was like 5'10". Sure. Two, 200 pounds, whatever. He definitely wasn't 5'10 either. It was a know. long time ago. Have you seen him up on that cross? Dude was shredded. I think he was like 6'5", lean muscle, chisel ass jawline. There's nothing to base this on. Beautiful it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter so, what he looked like. Well, he's our Lord and Savior. So actually talk about him with a little gosh darn respect sure but they were working out look let's say that's what he that's how much he weighed that's how big he was how many crackers would it would take i think they referred to it as jesus how many jesus okay would that's it take very to- that's <laughs> very insensitive i mean the concept was insensitive enough i don't think it's insensitive i think it's interesting and then also well this is maybe a little insensitive how much blood would you have to drink? <laughs> i think then calling the body of christ jesus is plenty insensitive i like to think he would have a giggle at that <laughs> when i get up there to the pearly gates he's gonna be like that jesus bit slayed me here have a nibble and he just holds his arm out have a jesus um, uh yeah they worked out how many i think it was i god i don't remember how many it was but it's, it's a decent amount because those wafers are not very uh dense no physically or nutritionally so it would it would take a, a fair few crackers to um to to fill out the whole dude yeah yeah thought it was quite interesting but i guess people have some people are probably on like two and a half Jesus Jesus at this point. Yeah, I mean, if people, you've been doing it since you were a baby. Yeah, people do it every week for decades and wow. decades. I feel like I got scammed because um, yeah, anytime the 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 church that I go to back home, they do it like DIY. So instead of like the cool bread and delicious Bible wine, I think I get a corner of a cracker and some Vimto. Oh, in really? a little glass. Yeah, it's not oh, that. Oh, I see. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Do, is it is it actual wine in some churches? Like the Catholic Church, they have like... I think so. Wow. I, I mean, not everyone gets to drink the wine, so I've never had it. But uh, I, I thought it was wine. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. What about wine <laughs> it is? Vimto? <laughs> yeah, what a, yeah. What a, what a niche product. Uh, I don't, or, people or, definitely or, don't even know what that is. What is it, like blackcurrant juice? It's like a blackcurrant <laughs> dilutant juice, you know, so... You, it's those kind of squashes that you mix with water so sure. that they become drinkable. I don't know if ours are mixed with water. Maybe it's like, you don't dilute the, know, the blood of the Lord. You don't. You <laughs> absolutely don't. You don't dilute his blood. You don't dilute his words, you little sinner. <laughs> You're giving a PowerPoint presentation about why Jesus looked like Michael Phelps. <laughs> you mean to tell me that he went traveling and he didn't swim three times a week? <laughs> now drink your Vimto and eat your G's puff. <laughs> Like, this is the worst church we've ever been to before. <laughs> the priest whose robes you stole stumbles out in his underwear. <laughs> get him. Absolutely get him. You're you're scarfing down as many, as many crackers as you can. <laughs> this I'm... is my calories for the week. <laughs> uh, yes, we were in the middle of a story. Uh, yeah, the, the two boys, Onibi, were floating in the middle of the river right where they had passed away. 
Like in our earlier story, no weather or conditions ever made a difference to these flames. And like earlier, the locals knew exactly what to do. Mm. All the villagers came together to hold a service for the youngsters' souls. And after that, the Onibi were never seen again. Wow, I like this. You know, it, it is kind of a mystery, but there's a way to resolve this. And if the implication of these flames is that, you know, similar to spirits, there's some unfinished business or it was an untimely demise, uh, it's cool to know that there's a way to, I don't know, let them be at rest, let them be at peace to resolve that conflict. Absolutely. That was my first thought. We never actually come across ghost stories that are as kind of textbook movie examples like this. Yeah. Where you can literally make peace with the ghost and then it passes on to the next realm. Because I feel like even in, uh, you know, Western culture, you could go to a haunted house where there's this ghost who died there a hundred years ago. And every night he, he gets up at midnight and f shit up, throws things around the house. Uh, even if you knew who he was, how he died, and on the anniversary of his death, lit a bunch of candles and said, I acknowledge your death. May your soul be at peace. I hope you find satisfaction and salvation in the afterlife. <sighs> The next day, he's up <laughs> throwing shit around. It doesn't work like that. No. You know, he. I think he gets off on it. Yeah, I think Poltergeist's <laughs> whole thing is they're, they're having a bloody laugh. <laughs> yes, they don't want to go. It's not sad. <laughs> they love Earth. So, uh, so it's cool to hear these stories where, yeah, as I said, you know, the issue can be resolved peacefully. Yeah. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. All right, I've kind of been beating around the bush of um, the darker side of the Onibi, and I feel we got to get into it before we go any further. Because um, <clears throat> I was just saying how beautiful it was and how much I really enjoyed it. They absorb souls. <laughs> what? If you get too, what do you mean? If you get too close, they'll absorb your soul. <laughs> uh, and the more Onibi in one location, the quicker your soul will be absorbed. In some cases, supergroups of Onibi in in groups of hundreds will be seen burning all night long. Thankfully, they don't spend too much time in cities and towns. Like you might have seen in our kind of prints from earlier, they are almost always seen in all natural settings. Yeah. Especially wet areas like marshlands, but also forests and graveyards. And it turns out life absorption only scratches the surface of their ghost powers. What? Why? What's the point in absorbing a soul? Oh, man, if, if, I what don't you, know. if what you want is to, for someone to acknowledge and forgive maybe your earthly sins. We might be giving them too much credit saying that they want anything. Uh, right. Maybe they're thirsty for souls and simply praying for them banishes them. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's it. They're not resolving the conflicts on Earth. You're damning them to <laughs> hell, finally. <laughs> It's like once the uh, once the Onibi have passed on to the the next realm, you can tell because they explode in a ball of screams. <laughs> it's like, all right, D did they want that to happen? Do they want? It sounds like they are not enjoying it. <laughs> Gallons of blood gush out of the ball of fire, like in the <laughs> Shining. Onibi have been known to have all of the following abilities: life force absorption, as described. Cool. Elemental swarming. Jesus. I don't even know what that is. Confusion inducement. Uh, Onibi uses to draw people close enough to gank their soul. These all sound like Pokemon moves. Illusion manipulation. Uh, again, they can manipulate illusions and hallucinations to trick people. I think my Darkrai can do that. 
they have avian magic, the power to control birds. <laughs> they can dimensional travel, which makes sense. They kind of straddle dimensions. If uh, you can control dimensions, you don't need to be able to pilot a f-ing crow like a drone. There's no need oh, for that. Birds are pretty good at this dimension. <laughs> They're the only what... ones in this dimension that can master flight. Well, them and bugs. <laughs> Planes, I guess. <laughs> the most worrying bit about that is uh, apparently they can make you dimensional travel uh, and can put you in... I didn't need to know about this, but they can put you in a pocket dimension. I don't I, I don't know if I want to know what this is. A pocket dimension is a small personal world in which the user has absolute control over its aspects. So it's a kind of Yu-Gi-Oh! Shadow Realm that the Onibi can send you to. Oh, right. Think of it as like, imagine you could put someone in your pocket. Oh, okay. And you control. And yeah, you, got yeah, it. You've right. got complete control over God, them. they have Genjutsu, basically. <laughs> I'm fighting Itachi Uchiha. One key way that Onibi differed to ghosts that we are more accustomed to in the West and something that makes them feel a lot more real is just how many types of Onibi have been classified and that have different abilities. I'm really not going to get into them because there's too many. But they have names such as Shiranui, Koemombi, Janjanbi, Tenka, Sarakazoi, Asobibi, Inka, Kazidama, Sogenbi, Hidama, Wataribisiaku. Wow. Uh, and these all have translations like Shadow Fire, Wind Balls, Fire Spirit, Traversing Ladle. Oh my uh, god. Uh, <laughs> Traversing Ladle? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all with different abilities. It's very, very kind of head spinning. But one of the ones I will tell you about is Kitsunebi. Rory, I'm testing your Japanese here. Can you guess what that might be? Kitsu? Is that fox? Ding, 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 ding. This is a mysterious fire spirit that's said to look like a fox with a glowing bone in its mouth. Wow. It appears in places where fire would be impossible to start. It flickers on and off and flees when chased. Kitsunebi tend to show up on hot summer's day when the weather starts clouding over. Here's again one of these kind of uh, old school block prints um, illustrating what a kitsunebi might look like. Wow, they're not uh, they're not quite as cute as I thought they were going to be. <laughs> uh, this thing kind of looks like a weasel, like a very, very large weasel. Uh, and one of them has its neck kind of craned up towards the sky and let's not dance around it it's breathing fire <laughs> it is breathing fire it's like a, a fire dragon. weasel it's absolutely a fire weasel uh now i know we said that there's, that there's all these different types and this is kind of one of them even though they all have different appearances and abilities is the understanding that they all kind of have the same origin it's all people who have passed away and they're just kind of taking different forms i believe so okay that's interesting granted i did say earlier that it could be animals or people so this could literally be the the spirit of a fox Uh, as we know in japan foxes do kind of have a spiritual significance yeah that's interesting i didn't even think about that because all of a sudden you're like all right you see this little tiny little mischievous fire-breathing fox maybe it was like a little a little scamp in his lifetime a little pickpocket or something could just be the ghost of a fox <laughs> <laughs> don't overthink it bud uh, i saw the other day in haggerston park um at night like something i'd never seen before a little chubby fox oh what really <laughs> it was very cute oh, why do you take any pictures i was like oh he just ran away too quickly but uh but i was like how did you get chubby yeah, he's he's like he must be like living out the back of a Starbucks, just eating cinnamon scrolls every day. Like he's found a source of yeah, food. Yeah, because city foxes are generally um, gaunt little uh, ghosts of foxes, dangerous little critters. I I'm not surprised that one hasn't just mugged me on my way home. They are they're pretty much as close to a little demon as you could probably get in London. Have you seen that viral video of the fox stealing a guy's wallet? <laughs> he had the dude at gunpoint <laughs> on the underground. No, I haven't seen it. So it's possible. Yeah. Shit, yeah. Well, there you go. I think the, I think to be fair, the wallet fell out of his pocket or something, and then the fox ganked it. Right. The fox wasn't like kicking him on the ground and grabbed his wallet. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of foxes in London. It's a real thing. But there's not a lot of chubby foxes. And not a lot of fire-breathing ones either that I've seen. 
And there's one more type of oniwi that's quite creepy called hitodama. And it's believed that if you haven't seen one by the time you turn 28, it will come to you and say, I'm a shaw, I'm a shaw. Let's meet, let's meet. And in the areas where people believe this, before you turn 28, you have to pretend you've already seen one to try and trick the hitodama into staying away. Right. Wow, so you have a couple different options. If it's coming up to your 28th birthday, you can either be like, doesn't bother me because I've already seen like six of them. Whatever. Uh, yeah, they, yeah. They, I see them every other day. Or you got to be roaming the streets, start hunting this thing down. Yeah, like Pokemon to try and Go. find one. Yeah. yeah, so true. It said they may also appear right before a baby is born, which I think in video game terms is called camping by the spawn point. <laughs> <laughs> which is right. totally unfair. They're waiting for the babies to, to come out. But, Rory, we can't talk about Onibi without bringing up what is fair to call the British equivalent. Like I mentioned earlier, Will-O-Wisp. Yeah, so Will-O-Wisp actually came up for me when I was researching the episode on Banshees, I believe. Oh, yeah. I don't know how similar the crossover is in terms of their lore or appearance, really, but it's interesting that this is a creature that has almost seeped into episodes before. Yeah, we've definitely skirted around it, for sure. Is it Irish? Will-O-Wisp? Celtic, maybe? I don't know. I think it's it's definitely European, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's British or Irish or whatever. Um, I actually don't know. It's I won't get too deep into it because it, I, it probably is somewhat two different things, but it does bolster the believability of this case to think that there are other examples of it. Like Onibi, this is visibly seen as a flickering lantern or a flame. Right. And a bit like Onibi, they are seen in natural settings like bogs, forests, and places like that. There's even bodies they find preserved in bogs, hundreds or thousands of years old, that they think are perfectly likely to be victims of will-o'-wisps people who saw flames wandered into bogs and got stuck yeah because i i from the limited amount of research i did on the will-o'-wisp that seemed to be the vibe was they it's for travelers who are lost in Mm -hmm. the woods they see this lantern assuming it's either another stranger that can help them or some sort of tavern or rest spot they chase after it the lantern keeps moving leading you in the wrong direction and i forgot uh, that bit tavern that's a great point because back in the day houses would have been lit by lamps yeah or on the on the front so uh yeah you think you're going somewhere safe and they're little tricksters they're gonna get you killed and now you're their lantern buddy there's two lanterns now in the you're ball. in their pocket dimension <laughs> consider your soul absorbed that's uh, not what you want to hear right when you're dying <laughs> it's like oh i guess there's nowhere to go in this bog i'll just rest here till morning consider your soul <laughs> absorbed it's like that's that's not jesus jesus didn't say that that's worrying <laughs> consider your soul absorbed. no one good ever said those words it's so rude it's like all right well now i'm not gonna rest i'm gonna get back up and i'm gonna keep walking till the sun rises no 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 wait no you really should nap regain your strength <laughs> Rest your weary, weary soul. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not going to. Rest your weary soul. You take, you, you rest your eyes again for another second. Consider your soul. Oh, I can hear, <laughs> I can still hear you. Yeah. I have to say the words before I do it. That's how the spell works. <laughs> it's a terrible spell. I can't believe I'm saying this. Um, sadly, jack-o'-lanterns do come up again in in my research hello because i don't think i realized where they came from and how it relates to this case do you know the origin story of the jack-o'-lantern no i don't actually i think it was like a ufo (laughs) it wasn't that they saw one night and then they were like hey that doesn't even make sense because the man said the ufo looked like a jack-o'-lantern yeah you're right it's completely backwards (laughs) the irish legend at least tells the tale of a ne'er-do-well named Drunk Jack, who, when the devil came to collect his soul, Drunk Jack tricked him into turning into a coin so that he could pay for his last drink on earth. Wow, that's really cool. When the devil obliged, Jack placed him in his pocket next to a crucifix, preventing him from returning to his original form. The f- 
pocket dimension. He put the devil in the pocket dimension. Goat move. <laughs> that is cool. In exchange for his freedom, the devil grants Jack 10 more years of life. When the term expires, the devil comes to collect his Jew. But Jack tricks him again by making him climb a tree and then he carved a cross underneath it, preventing the devil from climbing back down. In exchange for removing the cross, the devil forgives Jack's debt. However, no one as bad as Jack would ever be allowed into heaven. So Jack is forced upon his death to travel to hell and ask for a place there. The devil denies him entrance in revenge, but grants him an ember from the fires of hell to light his way through the twilight world to which lost souls are forever condemned. Wow. Jack places the ember in a carved turnip to serve as a lantern. Oh, oh that's really cool. I didn't <laughs> know the devil was that easy to trick. Sounds like a bit of an idiot. I don't know if it's good or bad publicity for the Irish that an Irishman managed to put the devil in a pocket dimension. And was too evil to go to hell. I mean, even 10 years after the initial trapping of the devil, when the devil comes back to claim his soul, I don't know why the devil's like, all right, let's no more shit. Like, let's do this. You're a bad man. You should have died 10 years ago. Let's go. <laughs> and Jack's just like, all right, all right, I'm going. Just would you go climb that wee tree there for a minute. Why? Just why would go I ahead possibly and climb look, that wee tree there? I'm, I've got places to be, souls to gather, friend. Oh, Satan, though. Would you give me a minute, though? I've got a bit of a bit of my point <laughs> left. Did you call me Satan? Satan. <laughs> Satan. I've got a bit of me point left. Let's just polish it off. In the meantime, why don't you climb that wee tree there? You've drank 53,000 <laughs> pints in your life. You don't need the end of that pint. Why don't you hop in me pocket? Why don't you hop in me pocket? No, that's what I did the first time. I'm not doing that again, obviously. Obviously, climbing the tree is a trick. <laughs> Jack is blackout drunk. <laughs> He's forgotten he already did that one. Get in me pocket. <laughs> Get in me pocket. Get in me pocket, you, you wee horny bastard. You're not the only little horny bastard in the tavern tonight, Satan. <laughs> All right, come I, to hell. <laughs> I, I think I hate drunk Jack. I think I want him to go to hell. <laughs> Get me back it. He was saying that the bartender's like, he's been saying that to people all day. <laughs> You're not the first one. When I asked him How to do pay, you do? <laughs> when I asked him to pay for his pint, he told me to get in his pocket. Can we do a bit of merchandise? It's like uh, those t-shirts, but it has the uh, the pocket, the on pocket. The left breast. Just yeah. get, get in me pocket. Get in me pocket. And if you if you uh, open it up, there's a little devil print. There's a little <laughs> devil on the inside. That'd be pretty good. A pocket dimension tea, I like that. So Rory, like I say, maybe the most convincing thing about Onibi or Will-O-Wisp is that there's pretty much a famous example of it in almost every country in the world. In Saskatchewan, they have the St. Louis light. In Missouri, the spook light. Texas has the Marfa lights. Thailand has the Naga fireballs. Michigan, the polding light. Norway, the Hestalin light. Somebody really phoned it in with spook light. <laughs> in Missouri. <laughs> Sorry, they were like, we're not, we don't have, we don't have time. It's the <laughs> spook light. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Naga fireballs is like, wow. wow. What is going on what in Thailand? That? It's like, that's what's, what's that in the mountain? Oh, spook light. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, something is going on here, whether it's paranormal or not. I do think our best paranormal explanation is the Onibi origin story. Yeah. That people or animals who die in a certain way become light spirits. Not so sure I'm buying the jack-o'-lantern story. What do scientists have to say? There's only a couple of possibilities. Something called St. Elmo's Fire has been suggested. This is... I'm kind of too dumb to understand this. It's basically ball lightning, some kind of weird atmospheric effect. Right. Um, some say that the gases from bodies in graveyards can catch fire and cause flames. Oh my God. Um, that could explain why it's happening in certain areas like these boglands, like graveyards. Yeah, that's and why interesting. why we never see them in cities. Uh, <laughs> others simply say that this shit only happened before glasses were invented. All right, I don't understand that. Oh, right, because people are blind. Because people, people were, couldn't see <laughs> shit. Right. <laughs> Which is sounds like a joke, but it's kind of true. Yeah, you have to kind of remember that. Um, well, actually, I don't know. I, I assume eyesight has probably gotten progressively worse uh, throughout the years because of the use of screens in everyone's lives. Um, 
maybe years ago eyesight was a little bit better for the general public but then you must yeah just get people who <laughs> are just like yep i can't see shit from the day i'm born and i won't yeah. till i die yeah. there's nothing to fix that yeah and i never crazy. really thought about that's a lot of our witnesses over the years are people that probably needed glasses oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> Especially when we're talking about salty old pirate legends where they say they saw Cthulhu on the horizon. <laughs> and it's like, well, you're drunk, blind. <laughs> and ignorant. So this is not a good combination for a paranormal witness. What you saw was a seagull, sir. It was three <laughs> seagulls in a row and you said it was Nessie herself. Rory, it's been a bit of a scattergun of various flame spirits and uh, historical legends do you think there's paranormal truth behind the concept of, let's just focus in on Onibi, the fire spirits for now? Good choice. Good choice. Yeah. You know, I always love a case that can be backed up with a variety of different examples from different cultures. Uh, I always love it when we have a case that's based in uh, Japanese lore, mm -hmm. because the lore of those spirits is always really rich. Yeah. You know, it's not, it, there's never a boring origin story. It's usually pretty comprehensive and uh, pretty interesting. So even though the Onibi are kind of similar to ghosts or, you know, spirits that we have uh, over here, it's a very different imagery, you know? I really like that idea of fire, fire being the, mm -hmm. the, the symbol of the spirit. And uh, I like that there's a kind of a way to resolve them as well. When we start getting into the list of abilities, that's when things get a little wilder, like the pocket dimension, um, Jack's favorite. <laughs> and to be fair... I get the sense that those theories about their abilities, they have quite a modern flair to them. I don't think that was written in ancient Japanese texts. Yeah, because even the, the part about them being able to absorb souls. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, did anyone see that? <laughs> did anyone see a dude like just drop to the floor <laughs> dead in front of got raptured. Uh, yeah, that, that's when it becomes a little bit harder to prove I, with all of these kind of older stories that are based in folklore, like we've had before with dragons, fairies, you know, even though there's a, there's a lot to talk about, there's not a lot of hard hitting evidence, that's not right. a lot of, not a lot of facts, documents. Um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? Like you say, an incredibly rich lore. I think where this case struggles is in the modern day. Yeah. It's not like some of our other kind of, let's say other ghost types we've talked about, say poltergeists or whatever, where even with banshees, there are people who claim to see and hear them today. Um, I've seen much less of that with Onibi. It seems to be more of a historical legend. I'm certain there are more modern cases occasionally. Uh, maybe that is, like I said earlier, the language barrier. That's harder to research because, I, well, we can't necessarily trawl like Japanese forums um, to hear people's first-hand testimonies. We might just never see those stories. That's true, yeah. Um, so I would love to know more um, if anyone has ever heard. I think we've got a handful of listeners um, over in Japan. If anyone has heard these things, even from their family or anything like that, um, we would love to hear about them. But I don't know that today we have enough evidence to say that Onibi are verifiably, tangibly real. That's why we're going on an all-expenses-paid Totally expensed work trip. I cannot uh, express the expensed <laughs> bit anymore. To Tokyo, Japan for a solid month, I think, of investigating would probably do it. Granted, the Onibi have never been seen in a city. Of course. They famously avoid cities. And yet we're going to look for them in karaoke <laughs> bars. Of course. Golden Guy, the bar district. Asakusa. Maybe, maybe one or two love hotels. We'll find out... Uh, <laughs> We're bound to find something paranormal in there. There's got to be at least one jack-o'-lantern floating around the hotel from Lost in Translation. I just found out that there is a um a Jurassic Park-themed love hotel in Japan, <laughs> which I don't really understand how those concepts merge. Unless you find dinosaurs sexy. Yeah. I don't really... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing in that place? I guess it's just... Jeff Goldblum's pretty sexy, so yeah. I guess that's it. Maybe you could do something with that Velociraptor claw. Uh, what? Like a <laughs> scratch, sexy scratches. I don't know. I'm <laughs> pulling the threads here. <laughs> it's going to be a fun trip. Lots of investigating. Sure, maybe a little partying in the nighttime. Because, uh, you know, you got to let your guard down. That's how the Anibi 
come to you. You go to bear your soul so there's something to absorb. Exactly. Exactly. I think we're beating around the bush here. And what we're coming down on today is, am I right in saying, Rory, a double no? It's a double no. Uh, I'm sorry. I would... I plead ignorance here and I would love to know more. So please educate us if you know more about all things Onibi. I hope you enjoyed our investigation into this phenomenon. Nonetheless, despite its double no ending, thank you so much as always to Kami Toman for editing and to Amy Grisdale for researching this case. Thank you, Kip, for hosting that episode. That was fantastic. I really enjoyed myself. Arigato, Rory-san. Damn, I love this paranormal life. What a great show. I, I, I love it. And I wish I had a way to physically show the people of the world how much I love this show. Interesting concept, Roy, because we do have a merch store over at thisparanormallife.com. We've actually got two merch stores, depending on where you are in the world. So you can get the lowest prices and the best products shipped the fastest to you by picking the right store. Get in me pocket. I'm going to start using that as like a get out of here right. type <laughs> phrase. So I'm going to be saying that. Get in me f-ing pocket. <laughs> Uh, we don't yet have the uh, pocket dimension tea, but no. uh, watch this space. Watch this space because there's <laughs> stuff. Co- we, we do add new designs to the store quite often and hopefully even more often. So uh, so always be checking back. Granted the wait time from the uh, granted the wait time from the inside jokes creation to the merchandise creation. The pipe that pipeline has been about two years. So sure. look forward to wearing your pocket dimensional tee in 2024, baby. <laughs> uh, but we do have fantastic designs up there at the moment. We recently launched our beautiful Galactic 12 t-shirt design, complete with Eben language printed on it. Uh, we have original TPL classic logos, yeah. Chompy's shirt designs, and more. www.thisparanormallife.com to pick up your official TPL merch. The link is in the bio. <laughs> No, it's not. The link is in the description. Of course, the home of This Paranormal Life is always on patreon.com forward slash This Paranormal Life, where from just five bucks, you get access to over 45 full-length bonus episodes. Get in me, Pocket. Claim that f***ing tree. (laughs) 45 (laughs) bonus episodes? Get in my f***ing Pocket. I, I can't get used to it. It's still so it's a little it's as jarring. jarring as it ever. is very jarring. Yeah, I'm hoping if a, a bunch of us kind of bring it in, we can make it a thing. But at the minute, it is very. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> so reach in your f-ing pockets and pay for this paranormal <laughs> life's bonus episodes on patreoncom life. We want to turn you into a coin, <laughs> all of our listeners, <laughs> so we can continue to make this show. Like I say, hope you enjoyed this week's investigation. We will, of course, be back next Tuesday with a brand new paranormal tale. And until then, remember to live fast, investigate, investigate and, and die. get in my pocket. Get in my pocket. <laughs> 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 <laughs>